Hey, listener, Steve here. I just wanted to take a moment and apologize for the poor sound quality on my half of this particular episode. Been going through some technical issues recently, as you are probably aware, and have been trying to find a more reliable microphone that works with my very old computer. So thank you for bearing with me, and enjoy the show. All by ever turning circles, hanging timeless in the sky, like a dream catcher distracting from the fact you're gonna die. But I place one foot before the other, confident because I know that everything we are right now is everything that was. But what Tyler, Woody, Guthrie, Dostoevsky, and Davy Jones have all dissolved into the ether and have crept into my bones and all the cells and all the lines upon the backs of both my hands were once carved into the details of two feet of Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host, Stephen Buja, and joining me, as always, Amy Thomason. Amy, how are you doing today? Very excited today. Uh, school starts tomorrow with students, so Whoa. 15th year of teaching, my friend. What? what? You have you say you've basically been in school your entire life. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's that's commendable. I uh, I got the hell out of there as soon as I could. As soon as I got my bachelor's, I'm like, peace. And then I went back for another thing, but that's neither here nor there. And it didn't work out so well. But hey, uh, that's great. It's great news. Excited? I am. I am. The longer I teach, the more I love it. And not a lot of people, I think, feel that way in their chosen profession. So I'm lucky. Yeah. Uh, well, you teach just drama, and I feel like drama is a very just fun. Just, no, not just drama, but you teach drama, and drama, I think you can have a lot of passion. fun with it. Oh, that's yeah. my passion in life. If I was still teaching just English, mm-mm. Mm. no, sir. Drama, you get to burnt out. You get to experience. You get to experience the language, and that's that makes up. For yes. It. You get to do it and see it, and you get to wear and, and you get to wear fun costumes too. Flamboyant and over the top. Speaking of flamboyant and over-the-top, some might accuse this movie of having a character who's a little flamboyant and over-the-top. The film today, continuing our 1989 stopover for your reconsideration, My Left Foot, directed by Jim Sheridan, written by Shane Conaton and Jim Sheridan, starring the one and only Daniel Day-Lewis, Brenda Fricker, Ray McAnally, and Fiona Shaw. So... What is your familiarity with My Left Foot, Amy? I really, I remember hearing about it, but I've never watched it before in its entirety, except for this podcast. I think I started watching it at one point, and it just didn't really hold my attention. Hmm. So I think it was back in the day when I was getting all that stuff through like Netflix when they sent out the DVDs, and I think I sent it back without finishing it. You know, they, I think they still actually do that, but who cares, right? It's the second day, Daniel Day movie, Daniel Day-Lewis movie I sent back before watching the entire thing. I just realized that. Is the first, is the first one Lincoln? Are we going to have this conversation again? No, I'm not going down that aisle, but I just, down that road again. But just thinking like, wow, this one didn't really hold my interest either. But I knew, you know, I'm glad I got a chance I, to see it. Okay, we're not going to have a whole thing. Was it Lincoln that you sent back? 
Or was it like The Crucible, which is nothing? The one that I was in the theater, and I got up and left and went and watched Django. Oh, okay, yes. This I rented from Netflix, and I think I returned it before watching it. Okay, all right. I was a little little confused. God, I I just think we should have a sub... I mean, we are going to have... There's a lot more Daniel Day-Lewis coming down the pipe. You know, uh, this is... uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Riveting and riveting films. And and riveting and riveting film, yes. Some might say... We have saved the best Daniel Day Lewis performance for last, although performances, performances, performances. Well, certainly Academy Award-winning performances. We've got we're on number two right now. There's one yes. more for him. For him, the IMDb synopsis is: Christy Brown, born with cerebral palsy, learns to paint and write with his only controllable limb, his left foot. Based on the true story, the artist's memoir. Uh, I remember seeing this movie. Uh, Probably in the 90s when I was too young to appreciate it. This is the kind of movie that one's mother would rent or get just because nothing really bad. It's a mom. It's a mom movie. There are no explosions. Nothing really bad happens. Complicated characters. And plus also, you know, if if your mom ever needs to feel... uh, Like her life is easy, you should just watch this and be like, I feel... I am so blessed with my lack of double-digit children that it's great. I don't know who. Yeah, I mean, part part of me is like, yes, Christy Brown had his struggles, but his mother, man, she oh, was she's into- the re- she's the real hero heroine of this movie. Like, it, with I don't know, I want to see uh, a movie about her, about Brenda Fricker's character. Yeah, but, I mean, she's she's a beast. Yeah, she has to. Deal with one limb. They have what 20, 15 times four is what? How many? 60. Yes, 60. She has 60 limbs to deal with. He just has yes. the one. Like, come on. That's a uh, uh, little. Not to mention, and those are the ones that lived. Yeah. She gave birth 20 times. I don't. All 15 lived, but it's not like she had miscarriages. I mean, she went through the process of birth a total of 20 times. Uh, yeah. I do not have the appropriate uh, plumbing for that, but I, I, I'm just, I'm holding, like right in my nethers right now, just going, God, just, just like, do they so? Do they just walk out after the the eighth one or something? Like, I just, yeah, and I mean, and this was back in the day, and this was a poor family, so she. Yeah. yeah, she's yeah. old school, man. She's probably out. She could out, you know, be out plowing fields an hour and a half later. So she was a tough. Oh yeah, tough. she's she was she was she was so tough. And the entire time I was thinking, you know, birth control is a good thing. Just it just really is like it's 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 lovely, isn't it? Isn't it lovely where we can decide not how many children? Catholic Church. No, certainly not Catholic Ireland back in yes. the '30s and '40s. Oh my God! Oh my God! But. Uh, we will continue this conversation shortly after this break. Listen to Daniel Day-Lewis accept his first Oscar, and we are going to come back and discuss the Academy Awards, like we do. You've just provided me with the makings of one hell of a weekend in Dublin. <laughs> I shared Christie's life for a while with a remarkable young actor called Hugh O'Connor. (laughs) 
but for everyone involved in the film, all our desire to make the film, all the strength that we needed, all the pleasure that we took in making the film came from Christy Brown. When he was alive, he needed very little encouragement to make his voice heard. Um, now he needs a little more. And I'm truly grateful to you that in honoring me with this award, you're encouraging Christy to carry on making his mark. Thank you very much indeed. My Left Foot picked up five nominations at the 62nd Annual Academy Awards. We have been talking about this particular awards ceremony for quite a while now, and will continue to do so in the future. Feel free to listen to our previous episodes on the eventual winner, Driving Miss Daisy, movies we thought should have been nominated for Best Picture, and we will continue this discourse later on in the future. But of those five nominations, it walked away with two fairly significant wins. Amy, what were they? Best Supporting Actress for Brenda Fricker, mm -hmm. and this was the first win for DDL, my co-host Mr. Buge's favorite actor. I don't think, you know, I think I've never claimed anything, and honestly, honestly, you know what I'm going to say right now? Favorite actor might be Tom Cruise. I just, I, I love him so much, and if he, had, if, he, if he would have won, he was nominated for Born on the Fourth of July this year, I think it would have been amazing, because... Tom Cruise hasn't done many other Born on the Fourth of July movies. Daniel Day-Lewis just exists, and he gets an Oscar nomination. So you know what? Let's give it. Let's go back in time. Give it to Tom Cruise. Say we can. We can say. Big fan, you are a big. I fan. am a big fan. I, I, I'm a big fan. I respect him. I respect him a lot. I will go see any Tom Cruise movie. Any Tom Cruise movie at all. I love. Him. I, 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 I love. I love him. If we can say we talked about this earlier. If we can say. Academy Award winner Nicolas Cage, and we can't say Academy Award winner Tom Cruise, despite Tom Cruise having more nominations, I think we live in the darkest timeline. I, there's something wrong in the world. Uh, but I do, uh, not to derail, I do enjoy Daniel Day-Lewis. He's great. We previously discussed his role in Lincoln. Go to that episode. It's a fun one. We hate each other. And, uh, of course... There, of course, we can both agree that we are definitely looking forward to our, our four-year reconsideration on There Will Be Blood, which picked up Day-Lewis his second of three Academy Award wins, uh, because that movie's amazing. And I'm sure we'll discuss Gangs of New York in there. Um, yes, yes, that's my favorite. That's was, my he, favorite. was he Remains of the Day or Age of Innocence? Or No, Age, Age of, of Innocence. Innocence. Age of Innocence might be on there. And... Uh, if we ever do for your reconsideration for a review, review, yeah, it's really just any anything. And every guy that I know says "Last of the Mohicans" is one of their oh, favorite. Movies. Last of the Mohicans. Last of the Mohicans. Every like when you Amy, when you watch "Last of the Mohicans," there comes a moment where Hawkeye or where uh, Dan Day Lewis says he'll he's he's gonna he's gonna come for Mary, Mary yeah, and you you just feel you're like. Like as a guy, I'm like yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis. Please come, come find me, please. I know, I know you'll yes. do it. You just, oh, it's, it's and great. every guy they love, they love Daniel Day-Lewis in that movie. They love the music. The music is the music is top notch as a, as a. And they love the last like ten minutes of that movie. More than one guy has been like, it's the best last ten minutes of a movie you'll ever see. And they all have a crush on Madeline Stowe. Every guy, my husband, Brian. 
every guy. So yeah, Daniel Day Lewis. We'll be we'll be talking about him a lot. Now, now I just want to watch Blast of the Mohicans again. It's been a while. Anyways, anyways, it is a it is a good movie. Uh, Brenda Fricker exactly. is a well-known uh, British actress. This was her one and only win and nomination. She has appeared in a lot of uh, British Isles stuff, Irish dramas. She, she, yes. she appeared in So I Married an Axe Murder. Like, who doesn't like So? She was, she the, was mom. the mom. mom. She played. So I'm crazy. not going to say it. She plays the mom in a lot of things. That's just kind of what she's, she's going to do. Yeah, but she's been doing this for five decades now. This was her, her, her touch, her, you know, brief encounter with the big time. In addition to those two big wins, it was also nominated for three others. What were they? Best Adapted Screenplay. Lost to Driving Miss Daisy. And Best Director. Uh, For Jim Sheridan, who was very active in the 90s. He did In the Name of the Father, also with Daniel Day-Lewis, The Boxer. Great little underseen movie. Also with Daniel Day Lewis. Oh, in the name of the Father. In the name of the Father is a great movie, and I believe he did a Showtime. I think did he do the Borgias or something like that? He did. Oh, with Jeremy Irons. That might have been him. That might have been him. But uh, but he's a a, I think think he's Irish. Uh, Yes, Irish. uh, He's an he's an Irish guy. Done a lot of great uh, movies about. The Irish experience, whether it's in I, whether it's in Ireland, whether it's the immigrant experience, he did. In, uh, he was a producer on In America, uh, which is a fantastic movie from many years, many years ago. Who I don't think gets a lot of the, uh, doesn't get a lot of the, uh, the press that he deserves. Oh, he was the director of In America, and uh, the and the and the brother and the remake of Brothers, which. Is also very very good. So he's he's very he's very active, not prolific. This was his first his first director directorial debut right here. My left foot, good for him. Comes out swinging, bam bam. Uh, but uh, ultimately would lose to Oliver Stone for Born on the Fourth of July, a film that earned Oliver Stone Which his second movie. Academy Award for director. Oliver Stone, yeah, I'm not going to argue that one. I will argue latter-day Oliver Stone till I'm blue in the face. Man has gone on, gone a bit over the deep end, but the mid-80s to early 90s, you have Platoon, Born on the Fourth of July, you even have Heaven and Earth, the, the third film in his Vietnam trilogy of JFK. Like, those are, that is an impeccable run of of films. And I think I may even be forgetting one or two in there. And he also, he also won for Midnight Express for writing it, Back in the seventies, back in the back back in that age, so he's a uh, so he may be a Putin stooge nowadays, but back uh, back in the eighties, nineties, and even seventies, he was uh, he had natural natural killers. born killers. He had he had some axes to grind. He had his teeth bare to uh, to tear into the system, as it were. Uh, any more conversation about the? 62nd Annual Academy Awards. Feel free to listen to our previous episodes. We're going to wrap this segment up right now. Take a break. Come back and discuss. What do you think you're doing? Put in a room for you. Don't be mad. Baby, if you have a room of your own, you might start painting again. 
have my heart broken, Christy Brown. Sometimes I think you are my heart. Look, if I could give you my legs, I would gladly take yours. What's wrong with you, Christy? Amy, I was thinking about where to begin with this particular movie, and some people say that critics should be very objective, they should base it on just the, the merits of the film itself, and that is that is good and all, but one cannot deny that when you see a movie, you see a movie, you, the collection of struggles and history, all of you goes to see that movie, which is a long and winding way of saying that this movie is about a man who has cerebral palsy, a um, uh, degenerative uh, neurological disease, and feel free to correct me if I am miscategorizing categorizing this, and uh, you have mentioned your youngest daughter on the yes. show uh, several times before, who uh, has Down syndrome. She does. And... I can only I can only imagine I can only imagine how that uh, that experience in your life affected your experience watching this movie. So how did you? Because I, I, I know how I saw this movie, and it's uh, just as like, oh, this is Daniel Day Lewis being great and whatnot. But how did how did you see this movie, and in particular Daniel Day Lewis's performance as this as this character? Um. It definitely affected me. If I, I feel if I had just seen it kind of as you had, I w it would. It would just be like, wow, what a great performance. And wow, look at what he was able to overcome. And for me, it was that way, but it was also that way for the mom. Mm -hmm. Because um, Elena's Down syndrome, it's, it's obviously in many ways different than cerebral palsy. But like my daughter is walking. She doesn't talk. She's four years old. She still doesn't speak at all yet. And she physically, she still looks like she's a baby. She weighs 23 pounds. She's very, very small. She also has severe um, hypothyroidism. So she still wears 24-month baby clothes. She's not even in toddler baby clothes yet. Wow. But, yeah, so she's, so she's very, very small. So, But they see her, and they'll ask me how old she is. And I'll be like, she's four. And I immediately have to be like, I know. She's really small for her age. But... Mm -hmm. um. But as a mom, I, I look back and I look at how lucky I am that she was born in 2018. But I related to the mother as far as having a child that some people see as broken. And one of the things that a lot of people are told when you found out you have a special needs child or when people find out that you have a special needs child is, oh, um, you know, God gives special babies to special people. And your first thing is, I'm not a special person. You know, I'm just regular me. I'm not, I'm not a hero. And I, I would never have considered not having her if I had the option, but I didn't know. I didn't find out until the day she was born that she had it. And it is, it's awful. And you grieve for that day for this child that you think that you were going to have. And then you feel guilty. But then after that, I just started thinking, she's a baby. She's a person. She deserves to be celebrated just like every other baby. And then it just kind of becomes your new normal, which for Elena meant, you know, in a span of two months, I took her to eight different doctor appointments at different doctors. 
and just, this is what happens. And she has therapy three times a week and I'm constantly in touch with them. And she has IEP goals at school and just things like that. And it becomes the new normal. And that's one of the things I thought was so good about the film is that it wasn't, it didn't just show them dealing with the fact that he had the needs that he had, that it was very routine. They all talked to him like a person. They didn't talk to him like their quote unquote crippled brother or whatever the term they would have used back then. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really great. The other thing that I thought was really great and very well represented is, um, I know in your notes you had this later, but this, this is a fact I want to get out, is that he's not this saint. He's not this passive little victim who everybody just scorns and is mean to, and but he's like some kind of saint. He's not. Guess what? He gets angry. He falls in love. He gets rejected. He gets hurt. Um, he loves his family. He has these brothers that he's close to. He makes jokes. He's a he's an obnoxious teenager to his dad at some points, and I think that that even more so than just the big emotional scenes. People need to know that, and I because people look at my daughter and they always assume, oh, kids with Down syndrome, they're so happy, like they're these magical little creatures who are just happy all the time. I'm like, uh, you've never tried to give my daughter therapy when she's tired, when she will hit you. And throw things across the room. And the other day when she climbed on my lap and then climbed up onto the kitchen table and tried to stand up, she's, she's, a, she's a person. She gets frustrated and tired. And yes, she's adorable and loving and all those wonderful things. But people with special needs are people. And I think a lot of times it's very easy to forget that. Because a lot of, a lot of times when you're just passing, just passing, passing through, passing by, you only see the special needs. You see that that person has Down syndrome, or this person has cerebral palsy, and that's what—that's what you're right. It, the the film does paint that this is a this is a man with cerebral palsy. This is not a cerebral palsy who happens to be a happens to be a man. He, it's it's that's just one aspect of him. It's a very defining aspect of him for sure. I think at one point they say uh, when he has his art show is that you know. Is is Christy Brown a great cripple artist? It's like, no, Christy Brown is a great artist who happens to be crippled. And using exactly. the, using the poor choice of words that they would yes. back in the fifties, and uh, that's that. I think more than yes, what Daniel Day Lewis does is phenomenal. The way he co- he coaches his body into doing, or rather, a lot of times not doing these things. Apparently broke a rib or two. Yeah, he, he broke a rib or two. And also, he could only manipulate his right foot, so everything you see, they actually shot it on a mirror to make it look like he was using his left. It's very, very fascinating. I would never have guessed that. He was no. like, oh, he was actually, like, that's, like, just from a direct directorial technical standpoint, that's very impressive. But... What uh what 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 is what is great? It's not the it's not the sh- him doing all of these these things that are you know directly about the his affliction. Mm-hmm. They're him talking, you know, declaring his love for a woman and then getting shot down and seeing how he reacts to that. It makes mm-hmm. it very human because, like, okay, okay, like, okay, so now what? Now what is he gonna do? And he 
drinks a lot of whiskey and he gets angry at everybody. And they go, like, you know what? I have both my legs and I know that feeling. I have drank a lot of whiskey and gotten angry at some people multiple times in the past. And I feel terrible about it. Specifically, the scene at the restaurant is would, even if it was just a man without special needs, it still would have been a painful scene to sit through. Oh, yeah. The scene at the restaurant really bothered me because the character of the doctor started to get on my nerves because I felt by that point that she wasn't treating him like a man, which he was. And when he was like, I love you, she's like, oh, I love you too. And I wanted to punch her in the face. And I was like, you are so condescending and so patronizing. Like, this is a man with feelings. This is not a child. Yeah. Uh... And her haircut. I can't <laughs> even. Her hair is so terrible. I can't even stand it. Yeah, that, it was distract. You know how you got distracted with the hair and the costumes and American Hustle? That is how I felt with this film, with the doctor. At least, at least in this film, they weren't calling attention to it. But yeah, it was a little, it was a little odd. But you know, for the times, times will give it to. You. Yeah, uh, Eileen, uh, Eileen Shaw is the, uh, is the doctor, and we, she starts off like almost wide-eyed. She like she uses that emotional attachment that Christy has because here's a girl who has to pay attention to me. And uh, manipulate and and cast it cast it aside like nothing, for you know this uh, some schmuck guy that she's going to marry that maybe she's not really married to afterwards because he's he's whatever, and it's just, it's just what I what I liked about the movie and the movie overall is is fine it's a fine movie, is showing that despite the uh, differences despite the odds. You, you know, you can achieve something approaching normal. And luckily, normal does actually mean, you know, you have shitty days, too. You you have days where you're just hungover, where you're angry. You also have days when you're happy. Uh, and it's, it's really comforting, because a lot of the times you'll, you know, as I just said, as you alluded to in the notes I sent over, they are, you know, people with special needs are treated as saints and angels. And what Day-Lewis brings is not a commitment to the uh, to the disability. It's a commitment to the morally gray nature of the man who happens to have that disability. And I, I, more than anything, yes, it's impressive that he won an Oscar. Just like it's impressive that uh, What's-His-Face won for playing Stephen Hawking's. Like that, like um, uh, Eddie Redmayne, Eddie Redmayne, uh, you know, Baron Abrasives. Those, like it is, like those are wonderful, but they mean that means nothing if you don't have the uh, like a good character behind it. And the acting is very good in this movie. Daniel Day Lewis is great. Brenda Fricker, who is every bit as strong, if not stronger, than Day Lewis's character. Oh, she's yo, know, she. She's the you know, best. How physically strong she is, not just to have, again, given birth 20 times, but when she's carrying him around, yeah. that's rough. I mean, I, and I only deal with a little bit of that. My daughter up until about a year ago really wasn't walking at all. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm carrying this three-year-old around and she's heavy. And it's hard at the end of the day when I've worked all day to carry her up the stairs. And I'm thinking, she's carrying like a nine-year-old around. And then that they were saving up for his wheelchair is so sad. Is so sad. It's so sad because it's, it's so little and yet it means so much. It's like our thoughts on the bicycle thief when... You, it's such a small, like a bike. Like who gives a shit about a bike? They do. It is the most important thing to these people ever in the world. And like this, this wheelchair is the most important thing. Brenda Fricker will grab a thing that's burning hot to save the money to to get this thing. That's how important it is. That scene, though, no, I had a problem with. Okay. And here it is. All right. The father. It was cut. The scene itself is cut way too short because the mother's pulling it out and she's pulling it out and she opens it up. So when the dad was saying, oh, we've been cold, we've been starving, we've been this, we've been that, and you've been saving for a wheelchair, that's it. The scene cuts. So I don't know. Was he mad? Did he start to understand? Did the mom kind of have to explain and talk him down? We don't know, but I just I couldn't wait for the mother to explain it and for the dad to have his thing, but it just cut away and I thought, wow. Okay. Yeah. That that's my problem with the movie and a lot of these cradle to grave pseudo biopics in that they have to hit all of the the moments in the life. Like we have to see Christy you know, we see Christie's. We see literally see Christie being born. Like, well, we see his his dad's reaction, and that's and that's great. You're seeing the reaction of this event, and that's what we're that's what we're supposed to take away from dramas: how people react to the event, not necessarily the event itself, which is which is fine. But they there is a lot of times being like, all right, we just gotta we're gonna show him this. He's gonna play soccer one day, or he's, he's, so we're gonna say like, oh, he's good at he can really kick a ball. He's got a very strong left foot. Like, we, we get it and just move on. Nobody and nobody's gonna. Nobody will stop and consider. Nobody will stop and think about this thing because we have to get to the next point. We have to get back to the – because the, the movie is told by a framing device. It's Christie's accepting an award. He's, which was okay. Which, was, which, is, which is fine. And then it just sort of goes – we go back like somebody's, somebody's, somebody's reading the book that the movie is based on inside the movie that the book is based. It's weirdly meta. Like what's happening here? It's it's very much a laundry a grocery list of events. Yeah, yeah, and which, which does serve to add up to uh, this person. It's a it's a nice portrait of human nature. But if you wanted to come in and be like, okay, how does Christie figure out his? How does he develop his artwork? Look elsewhere. It it really the him being an artist feels. A tertiary to to the plot because it's not really it's not really about that it's really about it's him an and his mother but it's an item off the checklist and one that i think could have been developed even more you get glimpses of his art and i go man i yo he's a good artist like let me let me see that i want to i want to know what he what his thought is what part of his personal history is he using to create this art like that's fascinating i want to see him writing the book artist and occasionally maybe had a flashback every now and then i think that would have made a more effective film because we don't need to know all that stuff right maybe like maybe it was i don't know maybe maybe we saw him if he was writing the book in the movie and then the book as it's 
it's just so classically whatever. I think in terms of its pacing and its its story, it just is A to B to C to D. They're like, okay, yeah, as you say, a checklist that it brought it. It it highlight the performances, highlight how deficient the script and storyline is because like if it, if you didn't have DDL and Brenda Fricker in here, it would be a much less movie. Be like, oh, okay, this is standard BBC TV fare. Like, that's fine, but it's really what DDL and Fricker bring that makes this a movie to be nominated for best picture because they are it's fat, it's great and their relationship is is awesome and i love watching it yet i don't know if i would have not even nominated it for best picture i mean in that There's i mean in 1989 i wouldn't have nominated great actors in them but i don't think this deserved even a nomination this would have been one of the ones that if i if i could have redone the nominations i would have kicked off obviously driving miss daisy and i would have taken this one off the list too all right, well, uh, you would have put Do the Right Thing and Glory? Do the Right Thing, Glory, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Yeah. T- kick Off Field of Dreams as well. That, that t- yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did that too. I understand that there's longevity in that one, but that one's kind of a weak looking I mean, with a, with a lot of things in the late 80s to mid 90s, you get a lot of shitty boomer, boomer nostalgia and Feel the Dreams is is one of them. It culminates with Forrest Gump and I can't wait to, I assume, tear that one a new one. Uh, but we'll get to that when we get to the entire 1994 year, which I'm very excited but, about. But, I mean, but at the same time, it was such a big movie when it came oh, out. Yeah. Like, I remember being in church and my priest giving a sermon about Build the dreams. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like if, if, if you build it, they will come. Like that is a, that is in the it's cultural it's a, it's lexicon now. But this movie, within a, unless you're a big fan of DDL, I don't think this movie really is kind of a blip on the radar. No, it, it doesn't. Re- it doesn't resonate because it doesn't last because it's like it's all right. It's a movie about a famous artist who has uh, a disability. And there's and he and you know he overcomes and he succeeds, and you're like, isn't that just literally every Oscar movie ever? Yes. It's like this is like this. It's kind of Oscar bait. It's Oscar. Bait. This is this movie. You think of when like oh yeah, to uh, in Tropic Thunder when they you know when uh, Robert Downey Jr. is talking about how to like basically how to win an Oscar. It's like you, you do this, but you don't go full this. You just do this. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say the no, word. I but. know. See, you're smart because then I'd have to give my public service announcement. Yes, and we, I, we we don't need to. But like, it's a movie. It's a movie like this, and our and Robert Downey Jr. is playing a DDL character in that yes. movie that made that like kind of defined. If you want to win an Oscar, play this character. You gotta be. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta be. You gotta be a little. A little. A little different. A little atypical, and that will. Send the send the sign, but all right. That actually brings me to uh, another point I wanted uh, I wanted to make about recently. There's been uh, huge casting controversies over literally everything. Anything with Scarlett Johansson is essentially you're, people are going to be mad about it. But uh, I was thinking about something, and that is literally what the nature of acting is and how it has changed since 
my left foot. And um, I've got opinions on this. Yeah. And uh, with the advance of social media and whatnot. So, so uh, acting used to be, and perhaps I think is, it still is, about discovering a truth outside of yourself. You're supposed to become this character. And through figuring out who that character is, you bring a sort of truth. You learn something. You show that on the stage or on the screen. Mm-hmm. Become a different character, learn something. You reflect that. Technically, that it doesn't matter who you are. It's who you become. But now with identity politics, and that's and it's a good thing. It's a good thing. We need more voices. It's not, I think that is less important about who you become. And it's more important about who you were to begin with. It's, it's, not, it's not about learning truth. It's about now acting is about showing your truth, the truth of yourself as a, insert, this kind of person here. I, mm-hmm. But, uh, and, uh, and now, it, 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 like, may, may, like, maybe this is just me as a straight white guy being like, why can't straight white guys play all the roles? I get that. But uh, I guess the long-winded way of, of, you know, the point of this is, would Daniel Day-Lewis, an able-bodied white guy, in 2018 be allowed to play Christy Brown if they remade this movie? Well, here's my own personal opinions on the subject in general. I really, the only case where I really see it being a problem is when it comes to race nationality. Okay. So if, here's an example. Okay. And if it changes, and except in a couple things, I understand that if a character is African American, Asian, and they cast like blonde hair, blue eyed person as that, I can see why that would be offensive. Just like back in the day, it's offensive to do people in black face, right, yellow right. face. Alec Guinness doing. I don't want to say anything. red face, but playing. Yeah, Alec Guinness in most of the parts that he <laughs> King Faisal, uh, Fagan, and Oliver Twist. And, oh, he played an Indian in Passage to India in 1984. Yeah. So, yeah, that's gross. When it comes to things like sexuality, that one, I think, is different. Because... I look back maybe in the 1950s and I think, you know, Rock Hudson played a straight guy. Did that, was that awful? Was that terrible? I don't know. And I could see why people now would be offended. You want to get gay, trans, everything into films. Yes. And they deserve to be brought out and talented, all that stuff. I think one of the reasons why straight especially white actors sometimes get cast is because they'll make more money for the movie. Like they'll get people to see it. Like Philadelphia Philadelphia is about a gay man who has AIDS. Now, if you have Tom Hanks playing that role, we love Tom Hanks. He's so great. He's it's early nineties. He's the best. He's amazing. 1993 people are going to go see the movie and seeing that movie gave kind of a thing of like, oh, wow, there are gay people. This is AIDS. This is just the discrimination that they face. So seeing the movie makes you aware of a situation that you'd only know if you'd go to see the movie, which you saw because Tom Hanks is in it. You know what I'm saying? 
because if Tom Hanks can, it can't be so bad if Tom Hanks is portraying this because he's Tom Hanks. And things, and I think it's also true that things are a little bit different now. But, um, and I, I have a lot of gay friends, and I, it had, I don't know, it hasn't bothered them, so maybe I don't know, but I could see, I could see why people would be offended. But I think it's, but with someone who's got um, a disability, I really don't know. Mm. I know that now there's an actress with Down syndrome who just got a Drama Desk Award. So that was pretty cool. Um, You know, there was a model who walked, you know, Fashion Week with Down syndrome. But with stuff like that, I don't know. I don't know how you'd go about finding an actor who could do all of that and fit all those stringent requirements. Right, yeah. You can't move. You can only move your foot. You know, it's kind of specific. It is. It is, and it's uh, that, that's where the business end of things come in because you you have a schedule. You have to, and like you can go on a huge casting search and maybe find something. Maybe maybe find someone. And sometimes you do. And, and some and it's great, but other times, like we got Daniel Day Lewis here. He's amazing. He's going to he's going to come so as close to embodying this character as humanly possible without literally casting the dude this is about. We got yeah. we're, we're, we're on a schedule. Let's let's roll. And it's 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 a hard it's a hard thing to do. It's just it's just very interesting. I'm thinking like nobody like people were mad at the Ro- people were mad at the Rock at the Rock for the movie Skyscraper, which is a whatever movie because he lost his leg in the movie. In the movie, he's a he's a he has a he's missing his right leg. Or left leg, and they were mad. Like, why didn't you cast somebody who was missing a leg already? Like that girl who lost her leg in a surfing accident, or arm, or whatever it was. And, and so, so it's become not about what you can portray. It's become who you are, and that will be the only thing you can portray. And which, how, and how far does that go? Right. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it's okay. So if the character's supposed to be from England, I can't do it anymore. Or um, Damien Lewis, is he the red-haired actor? Yeah, exactly. He can't ever play an American again? That'd be a shame. He's, act- he's actually British, you know, so... He's so good at Band of Brothers and Billings and so much. He is, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like, it, 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 well, it becomes weird, because then you have the... It becomes entrenched in power structures, the racial dynamics, so- but it's... If it's someone playing a person of color, that oh, I yeah. get, that I a thousand percent understand. But when it's things like what country they're from or sexuality, that's where it gets a little sticky. Especially since back in the day, to do um, like uh, the boys in the band, and even as far as Brokeback Mountain goes, there were actors who didn't want to take the role. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? And look at Neil Patrick Harris, who's such a like gay icon, playing that role on that How I Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother. Thank you. I never watched the show. But oh, he played should. he played a womanizer and he was amazing. Should they not have cast him because in real life he's gay? I mean, that's foolish. Well, no, it's weird. Things are street, some things go one way, but you can't go back down. It's it's strange. But uh let's segue out of that into speaking of sexuality what is it about 1989 the 80s 
and dudes behaving terribly, yet the women still falling for them. Did you buy Christy and Mary, the nurse who's looking after him for an hour or two, did you buy them as a thing? Because he treats her terribly the whole time. I didn't, and I also made the mistake of going online and reading about their actual marriage. Oh, what was her actual marriage like? She apparently abused him. Really? There was evidence that she physically abused him. Really? So that, and of course, I'm I'm kind of like half reading it on my iPad while I'm watching the movie. But but yeah, there were signs apparently that she was abusive to him. I guess he had bruises or something like that. But. But um, but there's something about Daniel Day Lewis that's so innately sexual. Yeah, I mean he's got that gruff beard, and you're like he's this like kind of a wolf and relentless. And you're like I know like this is bad, but like come he's, on, he's he's, he's just he seems like a kind of a person who in general is just full of like fire and passion every single minute of the day. Like I can't imagine him like going out and like, you know, grabbing a cup of coffee, you know, cause he's always in character and didn't right. he become like a cobbler in Italy or something like that. Like, of course he did. He's not going to be somebody normal and just have like an office in downtown LA and go to yoga. Of course he's going to learn how to like cobble shoes, but yeah. he's Daniel Day Lewis and that, I, that thick accent and those eyes. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's great. He, he embodies it. And you know, it's, like I get that's what the character is, but at the same time, you know, watching you know the nineteen eighty nine movie which had questionable sexuality, Dead Poet Society, and Cinema Paradiso, we're like, can we not pursue women this way anymore? Do we just have to like just like we're just like running them down and just like being relentless but about it? Like, come on, please. It ah. made sense with him to follow oh, yeah. the doctor. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and that made sense. And like I said, she was very callous to him and was very patronizing because she wasn't taking his feelings seriously at all. No. Because it was so obvious how he felt. And she should have really distanced herself. Maybe let him know privately or casually let him know privately and kept her distance. Oh, I'm seeing someone. Uh, you know what I mean? Like upon meeting him, treated him like a person. She would have told anybody else like, oh, I have boyfriends, blah, blah, blah. Right. But don't invite him out to dinner, have him profess his love for you, and then say, oh, I'm getting married. Why would she tell him that at that moment? That was stupid. But when she's like, oh, I love you too. Like, she's pat like he's a pet. And that's another thing, that as a parent of a child with special needs, that's something I'm going to have to face, that because my daughter is so tiny and she's adorable and she's special needs, that people – People are going to tend to treat her like she's a doll. They do. They like, they, they're fascinated with her. They touch her. They like pet her. They rub her face and she'll be like, get away from me and like growl and like push them away and be like, knock it off. I don't, she doesn't want to be petted and she, cause she's not a doll. Yeah, I'm still a person she's here. For herself cause she's fiery. And I love that about her. I'm like, there's my daughter. Yeah. Speaking of fiery kids. We, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, uh, he doesn't actually show up until the kid is, uh, until Christy is a teenager. But yeah, there's, uh, yeah there's, Hugh O'Connor, though, plays young Christy Brown, and uh, I gotta say, this kid is fantastic. He should have shared 
They, yeah. Where, really where was his nomination for any, like, he is great in it. If he Anthony. Every thing that Daniel Day-Lewis did. Every single thing. Every single day. Like, obviously doesn't have the years of training because he's a kid. Right. Which is insane because he was great. Like, just to see him struggling and sweating over that. Like, oh my, if, if Anthony Hopkins can get an Academy Award for Best Actor for 10 minutes of screen time for Silence of the Lamb, this kid can get a nomination for killing it. Uh, as best supporting actor, at the least, in this at movie, least. he's uh, like I was so blown away by like this kid is like he is Daniel Day Lewis. I was like in awe yeah. of that because who who else is Dan? Only Daniel Day Lewis is Daniel Day Lewis. This kid, Daniel Day Lewis, like oh my god, amazing. Good looking young man as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I mean, when you grow up to be Daniel Day Lewis, you gotta you got you gotta start you gotta, strong. Yeah, kid. Got gotta start strong. Uh, finally, we come to. The end of this. Did my left foot deserve best pitcher that year? Overdriving this day. Okay. I yeah, we 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 have we have to we have to pre- we have to you know with the caveat like would it have won overdriving Miss Daisy and then would it have won over any of the others? Sort of. Okay, I can't bring myself to say the words it should have won at all. I think it's a better movie than Driving Miss Daisy. So if I was ranking them and there was only two choices, this or Driving Miss Daisy, I would have checked off the box for my left foot. Okay. That's as far as I'm willing to go. I would agree. It won the awards. It deserved to win. However, Tom Cruise, you would have had, it was one of those, you you have to flip a coin. Yeah. (laughs) What is is very funny is that Tom Cruise probably had that in bed because he was playing Ron Kovic a uh, Vietnam vet who lost uh, use of his legs. And you're like, yes, that can win. And literally the only person who could come in and steal that away from him is like, oh, you can't use both your legs. I can only use one of my legs. I can't use my arms or anything. You're like, damn it, Daniel Day-Lewis. Why? Uh, so it's, yes. a, it's, a, it's a funny little bit of one-up, one-upsmanship in the Oscar bait uh, territory. I would have to agree. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'd have to agree. My left foot, yeah, I would, I'd rank most any of anything in 1989 over Driving Miss Daisy. Roadhouse. Uh, yeah, Roadhouse. Oh, say anything, in Indiana Jones. Just joke. I'm saying that seriously. Say anything. Amazing film. Right. That withstands the test of time. Way better than Driving Miss Daisy. Most films in 1989 withstand the test of time. I would have given John Cusack a nomination because he was amazing in that film. So great, so great. But uh, of the, you know, there are other better movies that, if I were given the choice, my left foot would be somewhere in the middle of the, in terms of total, like, okay, this movie should have won, this one, you know, Do the Right Thing, Glory, Born on Fourth of July, et cetera, et cetera. This is a fine, it's a fine movie. It's a fine movie that is saved by very powerful and strong performances from everyone. We didn't even really touch on the dad, who's great. But, but he's, he's fine. Yes. Yeah. I would say fine, not as in like it's a fine film, like with a capital F. Yeah, it's fine. It's, like, it's, it's a it's a it's a movie. You know, all right, yeah. And like I saw that movie. Okay, that's uh, that was on some I, list. No, but I don't think the performances were enough to make up for the fact that the rest of the movie is met. You know what I mean? Like they're good performances, but not enough to elevate this to a great movie. Yeah. 
And you know if it, yeah, I, I do know I know absolutely what you're saying. And if this had won Best Picture, I think we'd be mad at we'd be mad at this movie. Any movie that wasn't do the right thing that won Best Picture that year, I think we're gonna be mad at. Maybe maybe yeah. Born on the Fourth of July. We would be like, oh, yeah, all right, all right, I get it. But no, no, I, I, I can't give this. I can't say this is the best movie of 1989 because it's clearly not. It's a good. It's a good movie. I'm glad. DDL won his first of three and basically like introduced like, yo, this DDL is good because he's fucking crazy, yo. He is. But he's great. It's his his method. It's his madness. Uh, We're the better for it. We are. We love it. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to miss him. People feed him. Like, oh, DDL. he's, He's the best. But My Left Foot, it's a fine movie. You will, it will be on one day. And you'll watch something and go, oh, okay. DDL was great. Brenda Fricker was great. And then the rest of it will just leave. But I do have to say, I do love a good freeze frame. So any, any, especially any movie that gets nominated for Best Picture and ends on a freeze frame, gotta give, I got to give a little respect to because not nearly enough do it. And this was the 80s. Everything ended in a freeze frame back but then. But then you get into the 90s and you've got Goodfellas, which pretty much starts with a freeze frame. Yes, it does. Literally the next year. But, Amy, we are still going to hang out in 1989. Are you? Yes, next week. Oh, Captain, my captain. We are discussing, for your reconsideration, Dead Poet Society. Oh, so excited about that also one. Yes. Rich, pretty white boys have problems, too. Hey, they do. And they are so... Well, most of them are rich, and they they all are so very pretty, aren't they? You have been listening to the Oscar Watch Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like what you hear, write us an email at oscarwatchpodcast at gmail.com, and be sure to find us on social media at oscarwatchpod, and find Amy Thomason uh, doing our Facebook. She loves chatting with you. I do. Love talking, especially if you have opinions. Yes, especially if you have, if you have uh, positive opinions on the apartment and want to gang up on me, she would love to hear from you. Yes, indeed. So uh, once again, thank you so much, and until next time, we'll see you on the red carpet.